Ben 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 that's probably 30 seconds. <laughs> we did it. I don't want to pay for any of this. All right. Full disclosure, we are recording this intro right after the Grinch intro. You're hearing this on December 16th, uh, or I guess later. Yeah, but depends, it's going up depends on, when they choose to listen. It's going up on December 16th. It is currently December 3rd, so it's weird to think about that scenario. But man, Rob is beginning to look a lot like Ben Affleck. Welcome to a Ben Affleck Christmas. I don't know whether you said it's there or is. I'm pretty sure I'm not beginning to look a lot like Ben Affleck. We are walking in a Ben Affleck wonderland. <laughs> because it turns out my buddy Ben has done not just one Christmas movie, but dose Christmas movies. We're doing this early because in the next couple of weeks we need to make time to watch the Ben Affleck classics Reindeer Games and Surviving Christmas. Do you have running times on these movies? About an hour and a half. Actually, I think Reindeer Games is shockingly long, but it's it's something. It is uh, it is something. Rob, look at me, look at me. Are you looking at me? I I am. I've seen Reindeer Games like six times. Okay, I can't judge you right now. I saw it in theaters. It was delayed until February, so it didn't come out at Christmas time. <laughs> uh, I saw it again. At, I don't remember the circumstances, but in a rental period, I watched it twice. I couldn't tell you why. Uh, and then there was a director's cut released on DVD, so I watched that. And then there was a situation where I was staying with someone, and they only owned, like, three movies, and one of them was Reindeer Games. So we watched it again. Uh, I'd love to know what your other two choices were. Oh, man. Something equally good. <laughs> um, yeah. I remember it pretty well. I can't sit here and say it's good, but, boy, it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a reason why you're making me do this. Because uh, I remember really liking Reindeer Games. Um, I don't want spoilers, really. I have ideas in my mind about what Reindeer Games might be. They're all pretty much Olympic-style competitions. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Unless that Olympic-style competition is how many logic loopholes can one movie introduce. Oh, so I'm going to have to think about this one. Uh, maybe a little? It already but gets it a... might help the movie if you don't. Okay. <laughs> I feel like Reindeer Games is the kind of movie where if you think about it for a half second, everything crumbles apart. Ah. But uh, it's ambitious, that's for sure. Uh, Surviving Christmas, I think, was always bad. It's just too good not to do the, the, the two Ben Affleck Christmas movies that sank his career. So this this title doesn't really inspire much. Um, uh, also, it came out in early October, continuing the tradition of Ben Affleck Christmas movies coming out nowhere near Christmas. Is it in the vein of a garbage Matthew McConaughey movie? Uh, I just said garbage. There you go. Oh, you did, but not, not like how we've been saying you say it. No. Uh, well, I like that period there before the reconnaissance, like failure to launch. Yeah, all, all, all those ones past. where he's on the posters and he can't stand up straight. He's always leaning. Yeah, he's always leaning. Uh, how to lose a guy in ten days? Is it like them in what sense? I don't know. Thinks it's funnier than it is. Romantic sentiment at heart. 
It definitely probably thinks it's funnier than it is. I again, I have not seen Surviving Christmas since it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I definitely remember a shoehorned in love story that never feels real in any way. Uh, yeah, again, I don't want to say too much about the plot. No. So it's pretty misguided on just about every level. Like its central plot is already like, well, and then the direction they go with it is definitely like, that's not how this scenario would play out. So what's Ben standing in the world when he makes these movies? When he made Reindeer Games, I feel like it was okay. I'll pull up his IMDb. So we mentioned Ben Affleck a lot around here. I should mention I'm not necessarily being ironic when I talk about, like, oh, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck. I do really like Ben Affleck, but also it's almost like I, I'm rooting for Ben Affleck. Mm. Um, and it all mostly goes back to, and we'll, we're planning an episode about this, but it mostly goes back to the Kevin Smith stuff. Right. Uh there was a period of time where I would buy a DVD just because Ben Affleck was on the commentary track. I owned a Pearl Harbor Collector's Edition because it was the only <laughs> way to get the commentary track with Ben Affleck. I owned the Criterion DVD of Armageddon because of the Ben Affleck. And it is a, you should go on YouTube and just look up Ben Affleck Armageddon commentary. They took all his bits and spliced them together. He just makes fun of Armageddon. Oh, nice. And how he'd go to Michael Bay and be like, Michael, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you not train astronauts to drill instead and be like, well, fucking fuck off, Ben. <laughs> so that's where it all started. Okay. And since then, he's kind of had his comeback in recent years. Like, sure. He got to be Batman, even though no one liked the movies he was Batman yeah. in. I feel like people at least were like, yeah, he's doing a better job than maybe you would have expected. Yeah. He had the town. He directed Gone Baby Gone. Right. He directed uh, Argo, which I remember enjoying. I don't know that he's ever had much bad press outside of Family Guy jokes. Well, the J-Lo stuff, I feel, is what sank him because people were so tired of hearing about... It's that whole circle where they keep reporting on how sick they are of hearing about them as they continue to churn out stories about how sick they are of hearing about them. Okay. But also, Gili didn't help. Right. I feel like that's definitely... uh, Reindeer Games was a pre-Gili world... Surviving Christmas, I feel, was a direct post. Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay, I'm pulling up this... Oh, Gone Girl. That kind of put him back on the map, too. Oh, that's true. That wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, I so, should say something about Ben Affleck, just just to give you my perspective on him. Uh, you talk about him so much that when I hear you say his name, I react in the same way as when you say Tom Cruise's name. <laughs> which I also say a lot. But when I think about the two guys, I actually quite like Ben Affleck, whereas Tom Cruise couldn't care less. So you could care a little bit less. Wait, no, you said couldn't. Damn could it. not. You got it correct. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he was doing okay around then. The movies he made right before Reindeer Games were Dogma and Boiler Room. Okay. Dogma's, again, I want to revisit that, but I feel like... I'd say that one would... has a cult following, but it's not well thought of, generally. Okay. Uh, Boiler Room, I haven't again, I haven't seen since it came out, but I remember it being a fairly good, like, youth focused take on Glengarry Glenn Ross mm. or Bled, Bled. Ben Affleck had the Alec Baldwin role where he just showed up every half hour yelled for two minutes and then took off <laughs> uh, then after Reindeer Games he did still have Pearl Harbor which was a big movie that, but no one liked Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back Changing Lanes The Sum of All Fears Daredevil which is probably around the time it started to go down because then he had Gili Paycheck Jersey Girl Surviving Christmas and then kind of nothing for three, two or three years. Yeah, so he's been in a lot of bad movies, it turns out. Yeah. More than I realized. And then around 2009, he was in Extract, 
which people were like, okay, maybe we're happy Ben Affleck's back. And then he did The Town, Argo, Gone Girl. Yeah. And then all of the Batman stuff. Okay, I would agree. There's definitely an upturn again for him, though. Yeah. He's doing okay. We're not going to be looking at his terrific works. No awards for these movies, then? I don't think so. No Razzies? Uh, could be some Razzies. Oh. I'll look that up for the for part two. Um, yeah, any any other questions? Any other good Ben Affleck Christmas carol no. wordplay? As always, I'm coming in as a blank canvas here. All is calm, all is Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, if, I, if I'd... Uh... I flick the holes with uh, as a hole. <laughs> no, if I if I prepared for this, I could have come up with way more. The title of the episode is definitely uh, a very Ben Affleck Christmas, so or mm. we wish you a Ben Affleck Christmas. We have to decide. Uh, both of those are too good. <laughs> Damn. How about just fuck you if you don't like Affleck? <laughs> oh man, maybe, 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 maybe. Jingle Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> yep, I think so. See you for round two. <laughs> Many, 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 I don't know. What do you say to Santa's dwarves? You do you say, think they would enjoy say, these movies? You say thank you, okay. motherfucker. <laughs> we not paying attention to reindeer games Appar- at all. Apparently not. <laughs> that was even a, that was their big line of the movie. I don't think that that's true. I don't think that's I the think... one that would be on the posters. No, the poster is. Uh, I think it's the game is on. I believe is the tagline. All right, that poster. doesn't make much sense. Like either. the con is on. The game. Mm-hmm. The something. The game is on. Yeah, we watched, uh, there was some confusion because there are two cuts of Reindeer Games, uh, but I believe we have both viewed it as it was originally intended in yes, a theatrical cut. I did, although, I mean, I watched the first ten minutes of the director's cut, and then when I returned to the movie and watched the rest of it, it was the theatrical cut. Okay. So I may have seen some extra seconds of footage. I'll drop some hot trivia on everybody, thanks to IMDb. The film was cut by over 20 minutes before its the original theatrical release date of December 1999 because of both a poor test screening and the MPAA's objections over the infamous dart torture scene. Because you're always seeing lists and mentions of the infamous dart torture scene. Yeah, definitely had not heard about that and was not expecting it. And I feel like it's a bit of a stretch to call it torture as well. No, he hits him with a dart twice. But it's not... Unless in the original cut he hits him more, which he's, might happen. He's more doing it because he's pissed off than to get further yeah, information. Yeah, it's not torture. He's angry. Anyway, yeah. we'll get to all that. Yeah. John Frankenheimer's perverted version was dark, gritty, and sexier. The film was released in February 2000. One thing it's important to note is both of these movies not released anywhere near Christmas. Reindeer Games came out February 2000, surviving Christmas after being delayed from December 20, uh, 2003, eventually came out in October 2004, and was released on DVD nine weeks later, so they could get both the theatrical and DVD release out before Christmas. Good try thinking. And make any money. Didn't work, did it? No. No. Mm. Uh, yeah, apparently the 104-minute uh, version lost all of the dark, gritty sexiness and the real essence of the story. 
So is that, when they product tested this, did people say, I like it apart from the fact that it's too dark and too sexy (laughs) and too gritty, so cut those parts. Dimension Films executives were sitting through and be like, guys, I'm sorry, but the consensus is Reindeer Games, it's too sexy. (laughs) And then someone said, well, we can't cut Ben Affleck out of the film. So how are we going to get the sexiness quotient down? I don't think that was it. And I feel like they did not solve that problem. In fact, because I can com- he's still in it almost every scene. I can confirm that that is not what they were looking at because uh, Sean mentioned that I had some trouble trying to find this movie. Um, I was resorting to finding streams in one way or another. And a lot of my searches took me to two-minute clips of the sex scene and nothing else, mostly on famous porn websites that you may or may not have heard of. Yeah, I would argue the sex scene in this movie is actually the infamous scene because I feel like it probably has made its way into top 10 movie sex scenes, or at least the director's cut version, which apparently is longer, because not only do you see a early in her career Charlize Theron completely naked, mm-hmm. but you also see Ben Affleck's butt at least twice. That's true. And Although, some butt thrusts. I didn't look this up, but am I, am I remembering correctly that he goes full frontal in Congo? Or is that a body double? Uh, I haven't seen Gone Girl since it came out. I feel like I would remember that because I would have fled the theater because I was too turned on. (laughs) Okay. I'd be like, guys, I got a real weird boner right now, and I would have fled out of the theater. Might be worth fact-checking. Maybe tweet us with Ben Affleck's dick if you can. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to email Ben Affleck's full frontal nudity to likethispodcast at gmail.com, we'll take it. You know, at this point, I just want people emailing it, so... So does this mean that we're starting with Reindeer Games? I guess so. We might as well. Um, so here's the... Let's lay it out. Uh, Storyline. Here's the... Here is the Reindeer Games story. Do we need to give a spoiler alert here? Or are you going to yes, do this for both, for both movies. Because there's no way to talk about Reindeer Games without talking about both of the big plot twists. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ben Affleck is Rudy Rudolph Duncan. Kinda. And his cellmate, because he's in jail for uh, for boosting cars, his cellmate is Nick. Saint Nick. Saint Nick. Clever. Uh, and it will figure, we'll explain later why Saint Nick is playing reindeer games with Rudolph. So they're cellmates, and um, Nick has been writing Ashley, is her name? Charlie's there. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, man, it's going to be so cool when I get out of jail and we bone. And then Ben Affleck, you can tell, is like, man, I wouldn't mind also boning Ashley. Mm-hmm. So Nick is killed in a prison riot or a food fight riot instigated by voice of chef Isaac, Isaac Hayes. Hayes in a far too small role worthy of Isaac Hayes. He does a great job. He finds monsters in the gelatin. Yeah, he finds a bug in his jello and just starts screaming, there are monsters in the gelatin, which causes a full-on riot. And uh, this guy who blames Ben Affleck for him going to solitary because he thinks Ben Affleck snitched about something. Yeah. He goes to stab Ben Affleck, but or Rudy, I gotta get remember he's not playing himself. I, as far as I know, this did not happen to Ben <laughs> Affleck. There are a lot of documentaries about him and his life, like Paycheck and Goodwill Hunting, but I don't think this is one of them. So he's like, I'm gonna stab, I'm gonna stab Rudy, and Nick's like, don't, and Nick gets stabbed, and Nick dies. So then Rudy gets released from prison a couple days later, and Nick's not there, and he sees Charlie's there, and like, where's Nick at? Where's Nick at? And then Rudy's like, oh, man, guess what? I'm Nick. Because he really wants to bone Charlie's Theron. Yeah. He has a little bit of internal conflict. He gets on a bus, then yeah. he gets off a bus. Yeah. It takes him at least two minutes to decide I should do this really dishonest, terrible thing. So they bone, uh, as 
previously discussed. And after, I would say, one to two days together, Rudy has already decided, I am Nick forever now, even though he has already expressed in prison how much he wants to get back to his family. Yeah. Apparently that's done. I think what probably swayed him was the $100 coat, well, $200 coat for $100. She, she does get a really good discount at her place of business. Where that's well, I forget where it is. Is it even a real place? They sell clothes. Yeah, I'd be Nick for that coat. She works there. She gets discounts. There might be a plot hole there based on later revelations. I'm not sure. But there's, I doubt that there's any plot holes in this movie. It is pretty airtight. Uh, so anyway, they, they're they doing stuff, and then all of a sudden, uh-oh, Ashley's brother, Gary Sinise, shows up playing himself. And he's like, you know, I know about, you know, you, Nick, we used to work for this casino, and me and my buddies, uh, Danny Trejo, and um, there's another recognizable guy. They were definitely recognizable. I could not tell Don, you that. Donald names. Logue, I think, was one of them. Apparently that role was originally going to be played by uh, Vin Diesel. I heard that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you imagine if Vin Diesel had been in this movie? <laughs> I don't have much affinity for Vin Diesel anyway. I, I assume he was not hired because of the too sexy problem. They were like, well, if this movie's already too sexy, we can't put fucking Vin Diesel in it. Yeah. Because then we're going to push the sexiness boundaries into frightening levels. If people see both Ben Affleck and Vin Diesel on screen at the same time, they're just going to become pregnant, male or female. Yeah, not everybody is like you. It's too potent. So there, you know, Gary Sinise shows up and he's like, you're going to help us rob this casino. And then the next, because he's, the next hour of this movie is just Rudy saying, I can't help you. I'm not Nick. And then Gary Sinise saying, well, then we don't need you. I'm going to kill you. And then he goes, oh, I guess I am Nick then. That's to which Gary Sinise the- then says, well, tell me something useful. And he's like, uh... I can't really. Yeah. Because I'm not Nick. Oh, well, then you're dead. Wait, no, but I am Nick. I do know some things. Yeah. Yeah. That's This movie might as well just be called, Hey, Gary Sinise, please don't hurt me. Because most of this movie is Ben Affleck telling Gary Sinise not to throw darts at him or shoot him or hit him. He is not a very heroic character for most of the movie. Who's that? Rudy. Uh, Rudy. No. He's a terrible character when you think about it. Well, yeah, the whole he stole the girlfriend, girlfriend of his dead cellmate, his dead best by friend, by pretending to be him, and is presumably ready to bury his old identity forever because he flushes his stuff down the toilet. So <laughs> that is why he cannot just show his ID and say, "Look, I'm Ben Affleck." He has flushed all of that down the down his hotel toilet. And as much fun as the movie would be if most of it was him in the sewers looking for his ID to be like, "Ah, see." There were a lot of ways that this movie could have gone that might have been better than what they actually chose to do. Most ways, I would argue. Yeah. Most of the ways. <laughs> Saying that, I'm going to segue slightly into the other movie just briefly. We, uh, I started watching Reindeer Games with my wife, and ten minutes in, when the violence started, it became pretty clear that this wasn't really for her. It wasn't the vibe that she wanted from a Christmas movie. So we pivoted to the other movie. We started Surviving Christmas. Ten minutes in, she was like, when did he get out of jail? And I was like... <laughs> Yeah, Wait. actually, this might be a better a better way for this film to go. Wait, so are we assuming Surviving Christmas is secretly Reindeer Games 2, colon Surviving Christmas? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it certainly explains why he's so rich despite being a product pitch man. Sorry, we are straying dangerously into Surviving <laughs> Christmas territory. But there are, some, there are some ways that you can knit this together. There's one key way that you can't, but I like where your head's at. <laughs> I like the idea of the great... Great shared Affleck universe where then the character of from Surviving Christmas just goes on to become Batman. Ooh. I like that idea. Yeah. That after the events of Gone Girl, he was like, I'm never going to let this, something like this happen again. <laughs> so I'm going to put this cowl on and fight crime at night. 
Anyway, that was not the reindeer game that they chose for him. No, 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 no. So most of the movie is you're going to help us rob this casino. And uh, the first, we'll get to the first major plot twist. So they have him handcuffed in a hotel room or leg cuffed. And he breaks free and he sees uh, Ashley and Gabriel. That's the actual Gary Sinise uh, character name, right? Gabriel? Yeah. In a pool together. Like the angel. Yeah. From the nativity scene. Yeah. What? The angel Gabriel. That was who announced to the Virgin Mary that she would be having Jesus at Christmas. This is all Christmas themed. The names are amazing. This movie's so good. Well, what's the Ashley biblical connection? Yeah, pass. (laughs) He didn't know any female names from the Bible, apparently. (laughs) Uh, So he sees them in in the hotel swimming pool talking, where it is revealed that Gabriel is in fact not Ashley's brother, but they are boyfriend and girlfriend. And they have been working together to manipulate Nick the whole time. I was really hoping for a half second there that it was an incest storyline as well. That's they. I feel like the director's cut, because I have seen it, purposely lets you think that okay. longer. <laughs> and it would also shockingly tie well into Surviving Christmas on that level as well. Good point. Um, lots of incest themes, apparently, in Ben Affleck Christmas movies. I don't know if that's in his writer, but... Uh, yeah, so that's the first major plot twist, and I'm going to ask a question here that maybe you can answer for me. There is, so Ben Affleck is free. He is uncuffed and roaming the hotel, and he overhears while outside, if I remember right, one of the lackeys, one of the bad guy lackeys say, like, well, I'm going to go to his room and make sure he's there. So it, it creates this tense, making air quotes, sequence where Ben Affleck has to rush back to his hotel room before that guy gets there to mm-hmm. show, like, I'm still here. Why doesn't he just fucking leave? Yeah, that would be the smart thing to do. But he's probably like me playing Metal Gear Solid games. You can never quite trust yourself to evade being spotted. So the best plan is to go where you know people are not going to be rather than go somewhere that you think might be watched. Uh, So I understand his logic there. I still don't. He knows they're going back to the room. He's already outside. But maybe he thinks that if he goes back to the room, and they see that he's there, then it gives him more time to make a proper escape or to just spend a shitload on in-room services. Which he does do. Pay-per-view TV yeah, and whatever he, else he spends Instead his money on. of fleeing the situation, where he after he sees the big reveal that they're working together, he's not that surprised. He just says, like, see you later, assholes. But then stays? And he's also still uncuffed when they go to his room to check on him. But then it just cuts to the next day and they're going to rob the place. Yeah, it's also pretty confusing that the window is wide open and they look at it and don't even think anything of it. Nope, he couldn't reach the window the way he's cuffed. So that was my one of the bigger problems I had with a fairly problem-filled movie was he was out. That could have been credits. Yeah. That could have just been the end of the movie. Like, well, I I guess that's that. Done. He had already tried to escape previously... But is prevented because uh, Gabriel, like he and Shirley Theron are running across an iced over pond, and Gabriel shoots by Ashley's feet, so she falls in the water, and he's it's a risky move, right? Uh, with the later knowledge that they're both in on it, that that was a purposeful decision to get Ben Affleck to stay, and he stays. He goes in and he rescues her. Yeah, because he still has a stake in the game at that point. He's yeah. still interested in her and her yeah. well-being. After he is, finds out she's a villain, there is no reason at all for him to stick around. So I don't get, maybe that's explained in the director's cut, what his motivation was. I don't understand. But anyway. It could just be something as simple as 
You can hotwire a car. You can, can probably hotwire a hotel door. And I like that when he is trying to hack back into the hotel room, he says the phrase aloud, if you can hotwire a car, you should be able to do this. There's a in lot case of, we forgot. There's a lot of those think-alouds that are so unnecessary. There is narration, but only twice. I made note of that. He opens the movie in narration, and then later, right before the robbery, he has a little bit of narration. So I maybe Actually, that was to bridge some cut scenes? Yeah, I don't remember the narration scenes. It only all. happens twice. Yeah. I, I more remember the scenes where he's, like, talking to himself. On the bus was an example of oh, that. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of say it, don't show it. Yeah. Characters are always explaining what their, you know, their motivations. There's no room for subtlety in, the, in this movie. Uh, speaking of, so he goes with them to rob the casino. He successfully murders everybody else. Uh, one, uh, the one earlier that is the most ridiculous is he has filled a water pistol full of hmm. vodka, some sort of alcoholic drink that he's given on the way to the to the casino robbery because he knows I'm going to need this later. Right. Because he is the character from Paycheck, who, if you've seen that movie, sees the future and leaves his past self a bunch of items he will need to deal with various situations. So wait, where is this movie set in relation to Paycheck? Only a couple years previous. So this, he hasn't gotten full grasp of his future telling powers, but he knows somehow I'm going to need to put alcohol in this water pistol. Holy shit. This realization is much bigger than what you're saying right now. Because you're telling me that the Ashton Kutcher that appears in the bathroom of the casing the joint scene is it's actually the Ashton Kutcher effect, from the Butterfly, from the butterfly Effect. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> That's incredible. Which came out a couple years after this because I feel like this was like Ashton Kutcher when everyone was like, who the fuck is Ashton Kutcher? Not even. He'd actually been in quite a lot of... I, I checked. I checked. He'd already done Kelso for two years in that 70s really? show. So. so with the Eyes of Case thing of what are you doing? Because Ashton Kutcher's role is when Ben Affleck tries to make that initial escape where he ends up in the icy pond, He but Ashton Kutcher is a guy in the bathroom that he pays to trade jackets with. And I think he only says one thing, which is like, a guy paid me yeah. to give, him his, give me this jacket. Yeah. And I think it's one of his best roles. He really sells that he is scared of, the, of Gary Sinise. I can't help but grin when I see him because of Kelsa. Yeah, but now, yes. So as established, this is canonical with the butterfly effect. Because Ben Affleck knows, I need to put alcohol in this water pistol because later, one of the villains is going to, before he shoots me, because there's a struggle for guns, and Ben Affleck ends up with the gun with alcohol, and the guy who has the real gun is like, ah, what do you say to Santa's dwarves? And in the big line of the movie, because they've established earlier, for some reason, this guy doesn't know that it's elves and not dwarves, and says that to Ben Affleck, like, oh, what do you say to Santa's dwarves? You say thank you. So later, he's like, he's lighting a cigarette before he shoots Ben Affleck, and he's like, what do you say to Santa's dwarves? And Ben Affleck says, you say thank you, and squirts a couple of shots of alcohol from this water pistol, which completely engulfs this man in flames. Biggest fireball in the movie you until have... four more later. Yeah. Yeah. So he kills that guy, and there's this whole thing. We're already talking about the plot of this movie for too long. There's this whole thing where he tricks them into, like, oh, the manager of the casino needs to open this safe. And then the other big line in the movie is they've been saying, like, oh, there's a powwow safe. There's powwow a powwow safe. safe, yeah. And, he's, and he, makes the, he tells the manager, you know, open the powwow safe. And inside the powwow safe are just guns. And the guy turns around holding two guns and says, powwow. And they were so proud of that line that Ben Affleck then, oh, no, Ben Affleck says it first. Before the guy turns around with guns and says, pow. Wow. 
And then they were like, that's fucking gold. So then uh, Dennis Farina, the casino manager, turns over the guns and then says powwow again. And then shoots everybody. I hate to sound like Lloyd Christmas here, but it's a very similar scene to that scene in Dumb and Dumber where you're relying on pure luck here. Because what if the guy shot him in the face? Yep. There's so many what-ifs like yeah, that in this because movie. Because he turns around with two guns and takes the time to say pow-wow before he starts firing. I feel like the three bad guys who already had guns trained on him would be like, oh shit, he just turned around carrying two guns. Let's shoot him right now. Yeah. And now let's shoot Ben Affleck for tricking us into letting that guy get guns. Pow, pow, credits. But I mean, Gary Sinise is so brainless that he probably thought that the guns were full of the money that he was about to get his hands on. Maybe. Or alcohol. Yeah. Maybe he's like, those probably also have booze in them. Going back to the booze gun scene, I did read something actually, I think it was from the commentary, where the director had said that in his extended scenes, he tried to plant the seed more firmly that that guy was a chain smoker. So that it wouldn't be as surprising that it was smoking that led to his demise. But it feels a little bit random in the theatrical cut. It does cut. feel completely random in the theatrical cut. So the only people to escape are uh, Gary Sinise, Charlize Theron, and Ben Affleck. And they are, they're like, they go to this cliffside. And uh, in the classic Hollywood trope of a villain revealing, or a supposed good guy revealing that they know something that they shouldn't. Charlie Theron is guilting before they kill Ben Affleck of like, how could you steal Nick's girl? You know, he took a shiv for you and he's all like, how did you know that? I never told you. And it's a trope, but I always love it. <laughs> it's always such a good like, oh shit. He, I, he sells that pretty well, actually. I think Ben Affleck's performance in this movie is not great, but I think he sells that part pretty well. He's just like, how, how did she know? How did yeah. she know? And she's like, you told me. He's like, no, I told you he died. I did not tell you how he died. And then Gary Sinise is even like, Okay, what's up? How do you know about this? So she shoots Gary Sinise dead. And then the big reveal... Well, dead on the second shot. Dead on the second shot. She walks then, right up to his head with the gun and does and the then skull explosion shot. Emerging the behind the truck. How he got there and no one heard another car drive up to this isolated cliffside location is not explained. But Nick rolls up. Whistling the same song we heard him whistling at the beginning. So before he reveals himself, we are... I'm surprised Ben Affleck doesn't say aloud like before... He emerges like that's the song Nick used to whistle. Yeah, because they do trust us to remember. Like, oh, that's the song he whistled at the beginning of the movie. Maybe so, that part made the ex the extended cut, but just not this one. Maybe so. Nick has orchestrated the entire thing, and this plot twist is so fucking insane that even the character Rudy says, "This is crazy." Yeah, this couldn't possibly have <laughs> no, worked. There's no way this should have and would have worked. And they just basically say, like, yeah, we understand what a long shot is. And they kind of hint that we, they had other plans for backup if this didn't work. So the big thing is that the uh, Nick was in prison for... Did he kill a guy who attacked his girlfriend? Or did he yes. just wound him? I, manslaughter. So yeah, yes, and he then he's like, oh, Millie Bobeck was my ex-girlfriend. She's crazy. But it turns out, nope, Charlie's there and is Millie Bobeck. They've orchestrated the whole thing to... It's... Wow. Yeah, it's mind blowing, <laughs> it's... and and so mind blowing that even even Rudy, who is not the smartest of characters, can look at it and go, "What about this, 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 and this? You're some sort of criminal mastermind, according <laughs> yeah. to yourself, but you didn't think about these basic details." Yeah, it is. And, and then, not to ruin the end. Well, I will ruin the end yeah, of the movie. The so, 
once once both the villains are dead, because obviously, and Rudy walks away with the money, he decides that a good thing to do with this money stolen from a casino within the last 24 hours is to take it barehanded and open people's mailboxes barehanded and put the money in each of them, leaving himself open to fingerprints, later identification. I don't know how he escapes and goes on to be in Surviving Christmas. No, they don't that. explain the the they don't explain that in. But yes, I noted the same thing. That when this robbery is investigated, because he walks from essentially not too far from where the robbery took place to his hometown. In a Santa suit, which was the costume that the robbers were wearing. Yes, and still is wearing the Santa suit in full view when eating Christmas breakfast or dinner, whatever it's supposed to be, with his family. Who I would love to hear his explanation for, what's this? Yeah. You just rolled up after getting out of prison in a Santa suit. Oh, the radio's talking about this Santa suit robbery that happened a few hours ago, not far from here. That's weird. And also a bunch of money just showed up in mailboxes 15 miles from here, because it shows the 50s 15 miles away from his hometown. Yeah, I just want to watch the ball game. So. Yeah, so the dark aftermath of this movie is he goes back to prison for directly being implicated in this robbery. <laughs> but also... The criminal masterminds, he escapes their clutches because after revealing they have pulled off the most elaborate plan any human being in the history of anything has concocted, they put him in a car. And then he hotwires the car and kills them. Yeah. He by has, running them over. He has one skill. Yeah. And it's he says, again, cars. never put a car thief behind the wheel. And he's right. Yeah. Nick knew damn well. He can hotwire cars. I like that. Our Shelley's, elaborate plan is to trap him in a car. I like that Shelley's reaction. Shelley's Theron's reaction to him getting in a car and reversing away from her is not to shoot him. It's to scream no for five seconds <laughs> first and then attempt to shoot him. Yeah, and then he drives forward into her and knocks her off the cliff. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, I want to note that Charlize Theron, apparently in an October 2000 interview with Esquire magazine, said that Reindeer Games was her least favorite of all of her films. She said, that was a bad, bad, bad movie. But I got to work with John Frankenheimer. I wasn't lying to myself. That's why I did it. Yeah. Okay. So she did the movie to work with John Frankenheimer. This is, I believe, his last film. Uh, But yeah, she apparently was very aware at the time that they were not making a quality product. That's fair. Um, I think the culmination of this episode will probably be Ben Affleck, do we still like him? So what about this movie? It's not his best, um, by any means. It is a weird film in that it is not really good at any of the one... Like, it's got comedic moments, but they're not very funny. It's supposed to be, according to IMDb, an action thriller. There is not really any action. It is not particularly thrilling. It's all very darkly lit and all very just dour and drab looking it yeah. looks i mean which it most... still has a sexiness factor which i think it, it there's some it, sexiness I think that works there's yeah. some sexiness for sure it's never boring no and i'm surprised <laughs> like i even though i can look at this movie and say that every single aspect of it was done poorly in one way or another I actually find myself still quite liking it yeah. and would watch it again. Yeah. I would watch it again right now with all of these perspectives in mind. <laughs> I feel like I did back yeah. in the day. It is, let's maybe call it a fascinating failure. Sure, that sounds good. Like The audacity of this movie almost <laughs> to put... It's the, it's the thing where because you acknowledge how dumb your plot twist is, it's supposed to make it okay... But your plot twist is still real stupid and falls apart with even the slightest bit of, like, 
Again, another, another snippet from the commentary was that they felt that they needed to over-explain scenes to make sure that nobody could challenge their logic. And I'm like, no, there is still plenty to challenge here. Even just a throwaway line when they're standing there, Fenefa going, did you guys just hear a car pull up? <laughs> Would have been okay. Uh, and it's funny that like this movie and the other movie have that in common. We'll get to it. We'll get there. Yeah, um, I don't have much more to say about... Uh... About reindeer games. Honestly, I could have done a full episode about this movie. We could go for another. We half basically hour, just did, but we shouldn't. Yeah, we shouldn't because we also have to talk about Surviving Christmas, 2004's intended to be 2003's comedy. Yeah, I mean, I laughed. I did laugh when several times actually. There oh. were some very funny moments in this movie, but very isolated. I laughed one time, I think, and it was when. Okay, so very quickly. Uh, the plot of this movie is Ben Affleck is uh, a, a Drew, I think is the character's name. Yeah. He is a lonely millionaire uh, who spends... Which is kind of Rudy backwards. Yeah, it's the same character for sure, as we've established. <laughs> uh, he is always spending Christmas by himself. So, uh, and he, he is dating the girl from Urban Legend Final Cut. And she's like, we should go to Fiji. And Sorry, she... you mean Zoe from How I Met Your Mother? Uh, well, it's all, again, all canonical. Ah. Yeah. She changes her name to Zoe after escaping the events of Urban Legend Final Cut. And transforms her appearance by going blonde. Okay. And, and has also, uh, is a doctor. She moonlights under Dr. House hmm. when she's not dating the main guy from How I Met Your Mother. Good to know. Yeah. So he's like, let's go to Fiji for Christmas. And she is like, that's crazy. Let's break up instead. And I'm going to go be with my family. So he's finally like, I don't want to be alone on Christmas anymore. And goes to the airport to harass his ex-girlfriend's psychiatrist? Yeah, who basically breaches confidentiality within seconds. Yeah. Uh, And he's like, hey, here's the thing you should do. Make a list of your grievances. Go somewhere important in your childhood. Burn it. Say I forgive you. So he goes to his childhood home to burn the list. And the current occupants of the home, uh, James Gandolfini, the mom from Home Alone, uh, they see him outside, and instead of asking, what's up, James Gandolfini tries to kill him by hitting him very hard in the head with a shovel. Yeah, because he thought that he was somehow setting the house on fire by lighting a small piece of paper on fire in the garden. While facing away from the house. Mm. So, then the crux of the film is Ben Affleck is like, I have a lot of money, I don't want to spend Christmas alone, I'm going to pay you to let me stay here for Christmas. So as of 11.59 Christmas Day, I will give you $250,000 for letting me stay here and you'll pretend that I'm your son and I'll pretend that you're my parents and we'll do all the things that we used to do when I was a kid. And then Christina Applegate is their daughter and she shows up and he's like, well, this won't do because I didn't have a sister growing up. And then this is some bullshit. So yeah, this is some bullshit right here, he says. And then she falls in love with him for movie reasons. Because the script said that she needs to. Not for any logical reason. She hates him right up until they go down a hill on a toboggan together. And then she's in love with him. Yeah. Because he went on a toboggan with her. You sound like you're not very impressed by this plot. Well, no. So, yeah. This character's out of his fucking mind. Absolutely. Yeah, a complete <laughs> From the a complete beginning. Nutter. Um, so, as I said, we, we switched from Reindeer Games to this, and I think Melissa made it maybe halfway through this movie before she gave up on it, because this is awful. This has 
maybe one and a bit redeeming qualities, if that. Yeah. Mom from Home Alone deserves a name because she redeemed. She is the slightly redeeming factor of this movie for me, Catherine O'Hara. Yes. Thank uh, you. She is excellent, and I intend to go back to her past work to see what she was doing back when she was on I, Second City I TV. I think and I, I can stuff. explain why she uh, shines in this movie. So I read on IMDb that this movie went into shooting without a completed script and that most of it was made up as they went along. She has a background in improv. Correct, yeah. So she can survive that situation. Ben Affleck, as far as I am aware, also James Gandolfini, probably do not. And we read that fact a few minutes into this movie, so we watched most of the... My wife stuck out the whole thing, because wow. I told her it's a comedy. <laughs> uh, watching the whole movie, knowing they were making it up as they went, you can really tell. It seems like most scenes were just, okay, in this scene, James, Ben wants you to wear a Santa hat, you don't want to, go. And nothing funny happens in the scene. It's just no. Ben going, I want you to wear this hat, and he's going, I'm not going to wear the hat. It's like, you need to wear the hat. I'm not going to wear it. Well, then you don't get the money. Oh, all right. Well, then I'll wear the hat. And then the scene ends. That's true. They're, scenes they're... don't end with jokes or they don't like, they just stop. Scenes just stop. I don't know whether this makes it better or worse that I know now that some of these scenes weren't scripted. There were obvious ones where it was just Ben Affleck being a dick. When yeah. he picks up the phone and he's calling all of those people, it's like, what is he doing here? Yeah. The, yeah. So they establish in the first scene that he he's a very successful ad exec. He's good with people, except... He's not. He has no social awareness at all. The concern that he is dialed up more in this movie than Jim Carrey was in The Grinch. This is Ben Affleck at full 12. I'm, it's the idea that if I just shout everything, it'll be funnier. And he has this, this is pretty probably his worst performance. He, he has this way of making his face go so slack that you're like, you look completely brain dead right now. <laughs> yep. Like, what is happening here? You look like you have nothing going on. Yeah. It's not a fascinating as It's sort of a fascinating failure. Yeah. Uh, not, not in the same way that Reindeer Games was. Though. I don't think I could ever watch this again. No, I've seen this movie two and a half times. I don't know how that happened. There were funny moments, though. You asked me to name some, so I'll identify a couple. That I, I laughed out loud when he put his eggnog down on the table and the table collapsed. I thought that was good slapstick, mm. and I'm always down for some good slapstick when it's in the right context. Uh, there's the old woman at the start who puts her head in an oven. Yeah, okay, that's something else I made note of, is, and I, I couldn't find backup on this, but I feel like this was originally intended to be a much darker movie. Mm. Because the opening scene is uh, its the most wonderful time of year, but check this, Rob, they have the unique take that maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. So while this song is playing, they're ironically showing you images of people not enjoying the holidays. Like, this guy can't wrap presents well, and malls sure are crowded, and this old lady is killing herself <laughs> by putting her head in the oven with her Christmas cookies. So you're, it's like, oh, it's going to be a damning takedown of the holidays, and then it is not. No. At not, all. Not at all. It actually just turns into, what is it? It's just another standard Christmas. Yep. Comedy, like you said, comedy is 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 not exactly the word for yeah. it. Yeah, if they had stuck with the narrative that Ben is an asshole, crazy man, straight through to the end, but nope, of course he fixes all the family's problems because the the mom and dad are gonna get divorced, and he fixes that, and he bones their daughter. He very quickly loses sight of what he's trying to achieve once he's given them the money, or once he's given them the contract, at least. He just turns into someone who wants to... This is more torturous than throwing darts at somebody, I yeah. think. What he oh, actually he does is holding them. this family hostage. Yeah, exactly. 
It is a nightmare scenario, and only Christina Applegate's character, I don't remember her name, seems to realize it. And at one point she even says, I don't get it, most of the time you're out of your mind, but occasionally you have these moments where you seem aware. And he just is like, ah, it's funny. Yeah, like, this no, is, that needs to be explained. Is this like a big advertisement for, for the practice of negging? You just seem like an absolute dick for most of your life, but then the one or two moments that redeem you will get you the hot go? Apparently. Oh, yeah. There is... The one thing I will give the movie credit for is at the end, you keep waiting for that moment because by the end, the family, of course, like, oh, we love him and we want him around. They still, as far as I can tell, keep the money. There's yeah. never that moment where they tear up the check to be like, you know what? We don't need it. It's like, no, I think he still pockets the money. I would absolutely be keeping the money if I was in that position. Yeah. It's bad. It's just a bad, ill-advised movie. It's... So going back to what you were saying about the uh, the scene where Nick, notes. where Nick just turns up from out of nowhere around the, the van, there's the scene where Ben Affleck is with Christina Applegate in the park and with the frozen tree. That was a fake park, right? Well, that was a set. It had to be purely because the... two seconds later there's an entire circus that comes out of mm, nowhere. Yes, that's true. Where are they hiding? Yeah, she shares this like memory of of hers when she was younger, and he I forget even what it was. And he tries to recreate it. Yeah, it was a really weird memory to begin with. Something about her pretending to be a princess in an ice castle or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so he takes her to this like icy tree in a park, in a fake park. She's like, wow. And then he brings out like a bunch of actors to try and recreate this magical scenario. And then she's like, this is garish and dumb. Like five bleachers worth of a choir. Yeah. Am I, am I misremembering that? And a that full happen? nativity scene. And that is true. They emerge in an open park <laughs> out, out of nowhere. nowhere. Mind-blowing. So Ben is also magic, which is not explained well, but evidently um, he, he is capable of... All of the characters in Ben Affleck movies are capable of just throwing an invisibility cloak around themselves mm-hmm. so they can have cool reveals. I'm still waiting for the origin movie on that one. Well, the Harry Potter universe and the Ben Affleck universe are connected. Still, I can confirm that. Still, we need to see his development in that world somehow. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that that's where Fantastic Beasts is going. I haven't seen the new one yet. Okay. But spoilers for the first movie, if you don't care. Sure, go ahead. At the end of the first movie, the villain of Colin Farrell is revealed to actually be the villain of Johnny Depp in disguise. So I have to assume at the end of the second one, that motif keeps going. And it is Johnny Depp morphs into Ben Affleck, playing himself using a different name as all of his films are. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think so. I haven't seen it yet, so I'll confirm in a later episode. I'm just going to consult my notes here. There's, of course, an entire extended hilarious sequence where his girlfriend shows back up thinking that this is his real family, so they have to put on the ruse, the classic sitcom ruse of like, yeah, you have to pretend to be my family, and then he makes out with Christina Applegate, and they're like, why is he making out with his sister? And then his their son is looking at sexy pics of their mom on the internet because she went and got a photo shoot done to impress the husband so the husband would want to get with her again and then this, they find it on a porn site him and the fake grandpa because they have to hire a grandpa yeah that, all, that the fake white grandpa the fake white grandpa and the whole reveal at the end is Ben Affleck never even had a family growing up so all of this makes him even crazier because he's like this is what my dad used to do but there never was a dad and He's scared of coffee shops, and at the end, he's in a coffee shop, so he got over his fear of coffee shops. 
Ah, so then how must he have been feeling when he was sat in the diner with Charlize Theron? Because, like, that was a, a place that he was actively trying to avoid, and yet... Well, I can, hmm. I can see now what the dilemma was well, on the Well, he was bus. deep into the character of Nick. Ah, I see. He's a method actor. Here is uh, some of the other notes. Affleck is supposed to be smart and good with people. What the fuck is going on? Um... Oh, Brian had a WrestleMania board game. I don't know if you caught that I on didn't. his shelf in the background. No, I saw some of the stuff that was in the background. He had a Tenacious D poster that he I He did have a Tenacious D poster. Uh, yeah. Why is 2003 internet so shitty? Because he's on... And he's, his son's always on porn sites, but he's waiting for images to load yeah, like one little I, line at a I time. I can defend that. My internet was as bad as that in 2003. I was still on dial-up at that point. But they seem like they live in a really nice neighborhood, even though the mom doesn't work and the dad seems to be... They don't establish it, but he looks like he has a very blue-collar job. So they must I, be, I, I can't they speak seem to, to how, be doing all right. I can't speak to how well-networked the U.S. was at that time. Yeah. Nobody acts in this movie acts like a human being would ever act. Uh, that is a shockingly full house for the local community production of Christmas Carol taking place on Christmas Day. The end of the movie, they all go to see the fake grandpa's play that is happening on Christmas Day at a local theater, and it is a full house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well, it's it's an almost full house. They just so happen to have enough empty seats for tickets allocated, because apparently that's how it works. Yeah, um, that's how theater works. So then the family comes in one after the other. I did some high school productions, and I can confirm that's what that's basically what happens. I had given up on that by high school. Too much being made fun of. Mm. Nah, it was pretty widely accepted in our place. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, Surviving Christmas is not a good movie. No, maybe the worst Christmas movie <laughs> I've ever seen. Name a worse one. I, I Christmas can't... with the Cranks. Okay, I didn't. I've never seen that one. Let me set it up for you real quick because we're running out of time here. Yeah. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks is Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis are a mom and dad, and their daughter is going off to college. So for the first time ever, uh, she's not going to be home for Christmas. She's going, or she's going off to college, or she, maybe she's going on a trip. She won't be there for Christmas, and Christmas in this neighborhood is a huge, huge deal. So for the first time, they're like, you know what? Instead of taking all of the, like, the crazy thousands of dollars are spent on Christmas every year, they're like, instead of that, it's the first time our kid isn't home. Let's do something for us. It's the first time we've been on our own. Let's use that money and like take a trip together. So the neighborhood, led by Dan Aykroyd, joins forces to harass them and browbeat them with guilt that they are not going to be participating in Christmas festivities that year. And at the end of the movie, th- that's the good thing. They're like, we lost sight of what matters, and that's com- you know commercialism and Christmas. At least Surviving Christmas has the message of it's about fa- and reindeer games. At least the message is it's about family and being with the people you love at Christmas. That's what matters. Sure, it's but yeah. This For reindeer is, games, it doesn't seem to be the underlying message. No, the message <laughs> the message of, of reindeer games is. is do whatever it takes to have sex with whoever you want. Things are going to turn out okay. I thought it was don't trust anyone. They're probably not dead when they say they are. Oh, yeah, that that too. No one ever truly dies. If anyone in your life that you are close to has died, please be very cautious because they're probably hiding behind a truck and manipulating you into robberies. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Christmas with the Cranks is probably worse. Okay, I'll check that one out. I don't. Uh. Deck the Halls, also very bad. 
I have a friend who is on a Christmas marathon right now. I won't name him, but uh, he might be listening. I'm not sure. He's he's watched 20 Christmas movies as of recording. Oh, my God. Um, his number 20 was my recommendation, Love Actually. I'm very fond of that movie. Yes, Love Actually, uh, I don't think we need to cover here as an episode because I think everyone still agrees that's a great movie. Yeah. Number 19 was Surviving Christmas. And I asked the question, have you seen this before? And if so, are you choosing to watch this again? <laughs> and he replied... Yes, I see. I watch this every year. So some people like this movie. Oh yeah, they, I, when I ordered it, I purchased a copy from Amazon. The star ranking is like four, four and a half stars average. No. So I think we're in the minority, except no. for the nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes leads me to believe that's not true. <laughs> okay, okay, that's reassuring. It has above a five on IMDb, where it probably doesn't deserve more than a three. So there's little bits of terrible in every aspect of this film so yeah it is i am amazed my wife made it to the end thank you honey for that uh did she do it because you told her my wife was watching and she felt guilty yes okay partly i think (laughs) and then you just revealed that she bailed halfway through so (laughs) i apparently did not allow that on my end it's thankfully mercifully short oh and i i've now made my wife look bad on this podcast again haven't i no well, she, probably... she, mo- she watches most of the material with you. That's true. Mine doesn't. Mm. She takes one look at most of the stuff we watch and goes, no. And then devotes her time to better things. That's fair. We don't make good choices. No. We've made some good choices, but we did not make great choices this week. I think we've both concluded what Reindeer Games would watch again. Surviving Christmas, but all no. of you should feel bad. You've all made terrible choices and you should all feel bad. Except poor James Gandolfini. He has passed. But because he felt bad. Probably. It was the surviving Christmas guilt that comes for us all. What are you currently enjoying? Oh, I had something for this, and I've forgotten on the way up here. You go. I'll, I'll come back. I don't really have anything new. Oh, well, <laughs> that's, all the, that's sad. Uh, I've already said we're still watching Community. That's still good. We're, I'm still playing Red Dead. That's still good. I'm still playing the new Spyro. That's still good. I'm still watching the Batman animated series. That's still good. Oh, I was going to talk about the book I'm reading right now. Um, oh, yeah, we don't do enough literature on this show. That's so. true. It's a, This is a so-do-you-still-like-this revisiting of a book that I gave five stars on Goodreads. Um, I don't know if, you, if, if our listeners know how Goodreads work, but the star rating on Goodreads is quite controversial in my life because I give the stars to represent what Goodreads say they represent. So a one star would just be, I did not like this, and a five star would be, I loved this. Three stars... I liked this. So I'm happy giving a book three stars if I just liked it, but apparently people are like, no, three stars means that you didn't like it. Well, read the rating system. This one's getting away from me. Yeah. The book that I'm reading right now is, uh, its name is A Confederacy of Dunces. I've and, heard of this book. and Well, you, you should have. It's quite a famous one. Um, it's It won a Pulitzer Prize, but it, the author won the prize after he had already died, and it turns out that this book was not even published before he died. His mom found it as a stack of notes in his office after he died. She took it to the professor of a local creative writing class, handed it to the professor, and the professor actually writes the foreword for the book, in which he says, this crazy lady gave me a book and I really (laughs) didn't want to read it, but because I'm polite, I thought I'll read the first chapter, and then I'll have read enough that I can say to her, I'm sorry, this isn't that good. But as he read it, he got more and more excited that this was actually a phenomenal book. Uh, and as I say, it became a Pulitzer Prize-winning book. It's ridiculous. It's about a big fat guy from New Orleans who is a man-child. He's about our age, and he complains about everything. Uh, he's got maybe two degrees, but does not want to work. So he's uh, running his mother's finances into the ground. 
Uh, and it also looks at New Orleans as a whole as well. I forget exactly when it's set, maybe the 1950s. Uh, so it looks at racism there as well, but always from a funny perspective. So laugh out loud moments in nice. this book. One of my friends is Rarely reading literature. it as well because he saw me reading it on a plane. So. so there you go. We read around these parts too. Oh, yeah. Check out my Goodreads page. Um, you, you don't have to be particularly resourceful to find out my surname. Just check our Twitter account. Maybe follow it. Be yeah. one of the six people. I'll add that. We are down to five. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll add that to the list. So uh, please check out Rob's Goodreads page. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, thank you to Tev Sound for the theme song. I think I will have used it in this episode. We have something brewing. If we did, thank you for the theme song. Even if we didn't, thank you for the oh, theme yeah, song. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Theme thank song's you. still great. Uh, there's probably more things like uh, give us five stars uh, if you listen on iTunes if you like it give it five stars even if you don't please give us five stars we watched three and a half hours of Ben Affleck movies this week so yes please please give us five stars for our efforts Um, what's coming up next is uh, Christmas Morning Memories it'll be the uh, me you uh, Dre and uh, Sam making, I was going to say, her triumphant return? It's been a couple weeks, so sure. Sure. She'll have been off for a couple weeks by that time. Uh, just kind of sitting around, chatting about, because we've been going deep at uh, pretty big time commitments lately. So we're just going to have a casual chat about Christmas. Uh, why do you want to listen to four strangers talk about Christmas morning, you ask? The only way to find out is to tune in. And then we're going to have a New Year's episode. It's going to be great. Uh, thank you for all for joining us. Yeah, that was a really great ending. Kettle's boiled. Bah. So for all those things nostalgic, I also do and sit like this. So, the, so what's the change same is way. I'm going to do Ben, 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 Ben all the way through. And then Rob's gonna be the one who does. But I think Benny, you just Benny, need Benny, to. Benny when I go into Benny, 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 you just need to speed up to match my bends. So it's just. Oh, okay. Ben, 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 Benny, 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 Benny. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Yeah, we'll try it. So, Am I you, still so just yours sad, will change. Sad Batman. Yeah, sad, yeah. Sad Batman. Yeah, sad, sad, and then Batman Benny, 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 Benny Affleck. Once it's your turn. When is it my turn? Are you probably gonna point the, at me? Probably the third round, I guess. We'll bring. Is Sean this in. the most serious conversation anyone has ever had about replacing all the lyrics to a song with Ben Affleck?